Well, Michigan State has certainly pulled off some shocking upsets over the years, but if they're going to do it this weekend versus Ohio State, they'll do it as the largest home underdogs in program history, at least as of right now. It's a big hill to climb if you're Mel Tucker and co, but as our friend JP from the 1994 Disney classic Angels in the Outfield reminds us, hey, it could happen. Welcome in Spartan Nation to episode 87 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Thursday, October 6, 2022. Uh, apologies for getting the episode out a little later. We had to do a little bit of schedule shuffling this week. But uh, gentlemen, thanks for being here. Matt, how was the trip to Maryland? Uh, gloomy. Did not see uh, even hint of the sun um, after leaving uh, Detroit Metro to, to landing. So uh, the hurricane, uh, what, Ian, right? remnants of that um so yeah it was just you know gloomy rainy um and the well you know the result of the football game how was that crowd looked a little Uh, poor (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you get on campus you'd be hard pressed a couple hours before the game and maybe even up to kickoff to unless you're right at the stadium to know there was a a a big 10 football game going on the state the campus is kind of cool from what i've seen been there i think that was the second time i've been there um but yeah, it wasn't wasn't much life to the crowd. Kyle, anything to report? Is golf season over yet? Uh, maybe trying to get one more in, um, but hard to find a the time these days, you know. Yeah, for real. I mean, you got basketball starting up. We are going to touch on a little bit of basketball at the end of the show. Um, we just had some news come out, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to recap the loss to Maryland, Michigan State's. Uh, Third in a row, unfortunately, for Michigan State fans. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's Michigan State-Ohio State clash at Spartan Stadium. Appreciate everyone who's listening here today. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it would be very much appreciated. Uh, You can find our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. You know where to hit us up on Twitter if you got questions or comments or uh, complaints. I know these guys love fielding your your complaints on social media, Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of them lately. Um, But let's get into it. Michigan State. As I just mentioned, uh, falls to Maryland 27-13 last Saturday. You know, nothing special, nothing great to write about if you're Michigan State. You know, I did think it was an improved performance over their previous two outings. But again, defense get off to a slow start. Maryland marches down the field and scores. We see a little bit of life in the offense in the first half, sort of answering those scores. And then the defense starts stopping people in the second half, and the offense goes cold. So, Matt, just uh, anything but complimentary football, as Mel likes to, likes to call it. Yeah, um, you know, after the game when you're <laughs> you lose the third straight at Maryland, and you're like, well, you know, you you did rush for a hundred yards, so right, at least we got over fifty for the first time in, in three weeks. Um, the defense got a couple stops, and, and those are your positives. Um, that's just how it's going. Um, you know, again, they, they have maybe the best punter in the country. And after that, nothing is really working. Uh, we saw more life from the offense to start the game. I thought they put together a, a decent first half. If you take out the special team screw ups with the block kick, miss a block field goal, a missed field goal and a botched extra point. Uh, you know, I think they only punted once in the first half, but then the offense just completely disappeared after halftime where they had 75 yards in the second half. And I think 67 of them came on that one drive that obviously it didn't end up producing any points because they were shut out after halftime. Um, yeah, defense was better. I thought they were better in the second half. Um, you know, after giving up 
way too much in the first half again. Uh, three three touchdown drives. Um, you know, same kind of deal as before. You know, wide open receivers or coverages. You know, they just can't get off the field on, on enough and enough times. Um, another goal line stand. Um, so I mean, you see some flight in the team. Um, they're just not very good right now. I mean, you saw drops across the board. Uh, you know, from what Jalen Berger had one. You saw some from receivers, tight ends. You know, Peyton Thorne was not particularly good after halftime. Um, hey, Elijah Collins, though, you know, that's we got that they got that going for him. So he was a bright spot. Um, like for the sell from him. But I mm-hmm. it's just lots of a lot of the same mistakes and a lot to clean up and uh not the team you want to be facing this week. Is Elijah Collins the new RB1 here? I mean, that was a nice run on the touchdown. I don't know about that. Um, but I'd like he did show good things, you know. When he was the second guy in the game, the second running back in the game last week, I was surprised um and what he went eight eight yard gain on his first run the 12 yard touchdown run that looked was impressive and then eight yard gain on his third run if i remember that right and then he only touched the ball twice in the second half so yeah five for 36 that's 7.2 for yeah um so yeah uh, that's kind of surprising um chris kapilovic on tuesday was asked about collins and he's you know complimentary of him and Said, you know, if he keeps playing like that, you know, I think he needs more carries. So maybe we, maybe we see more of Elijah, but uh, good for him. You know, this is a guy that, I mean, how many people in his situation would still be at Michigan State? You know, <laughs> you go from being a starter, almost rushing for a thousand yards. You know, he had the COVID setback in 2020. And then, you know, they bring in two transfer running backs before last season, one being Kenneth Walker um we know what happened there and then you bring in two more transfers for this season and it just you know i i, I think 99.9 percent of guys would have probably left you know uh but he stuck it out and said a lot of good things the other day uh yes tuesday um so yeah likable likable kid everybody on the team seems to really uh you know enjoy his his you know what he brings as a teammate and as a player so good story i guess yeah, I remember when uh, I think it was in the summer, maybe when he they like cleaned out their lockers or something or got new tags and he had like, yeah. his name and he put it on social and everyone's like, thanks for everything. Good luck. Yeah. Go get your, go get the bag. And he's like, well, wait a second. We just cleaned <laughs> out the locker room. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, not transferring. But I like yeah, what well, he said about how he never has felt like he wasn't being given a shot. I liked, I yeah, liked that. Yeah. To be fair. I mean, when you're in the position he's in and you and you tweet your name and, <laughs> and say end of an era or whatever it is. Yeah. I think some of the leap some fans took uh was understandable. Uh but yeah, I mean he said, you know, yeah, he didn't he never thought that, you know, he wasn't get, being given an opportunity. He believes in what Mel Tucker's doing, his vision for the program. And um yeah, so you know, good for him. It's not like Berger and uh, Broussard are blowing the socks off anyone right now. So no. you might as well mix them in at this point. Yep. Um, if you're Michigan State. Uh, Kyle, did, I mean, what, anything stick out to you from the game? I mean, another uh, not a great performance. Yeah, I don't have much to add about, you know, about football, honestly. Like, they, they look better, um, which I guess is good. The good news, the bad news is, I mean, that was only good enough to beat a handful of teams in the Big Ten, I think. So if that's your better – uh, you better keep climbing uh, because, you know, we've talked about bigger picture bowl. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing six wins on this schedule. 
Um, if, if that's kind of what the goal left out there. So um, I, I guess it's good they're moving in the right direction, but uh, not not moving there quickly enough. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to with the, the personnel we've seen. Yeah, it's just it doesn't seem like they have the guys. And it, it's weird because last this is like we talked about it last week. It's largely the same team. They're bringing in some transfers, but. You know, we, I, I see people breaking it down on Twitter where the defense does everything right. You know, they have a QB spy on on little Tua and they've got, you know, uh, guys blitzing. They're bringing pressure and the, the guys on the outside just just can't cover. They can't hold up and the guys can't get there. I mean, at some point, it's just like you kind of just have to throw your hands up and be like, what are you going to do? I mean, they, maybe they just don't have the horses this year. Maybe they do, but guys are still developing. And the common denominator in these last three games is right from the opening kick. The team's taking the ball and going down the field and scoring, and it's such a deflating thing, you know, when from a fan standpoint, I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, on the sidelines standing there watching, especially if you're an offensive player and you're like, man, we got to score like every time or we're not going to stay in this game. And I'm sure that's going to be the case this weekend, but the slow starts are brutal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it feels like the same thing watching every week. They take, you know, the other team takes the ball. Get a couple, you get them in a couple third and longs, can't get off the field, and, and then they're in the end zone. And yeah, same thing over and over. Um, need to get more pressure. It's a, little, it's a little nuanced sometimes, though. It's like against Minnesota, they didn't tackle really well. Um, you know, if you notice, like, like, like I, get, I get into the pro football focus every week, and like there is like, I mean, they would have you believe that it's all these little small things every week. And I, I think that's kind of just coach speak and player speak because it's, um, you know, it's got to be more than that. But I mean, it is true to the fact that like, you know, they'll tackle well one week and then not tackle well the next week. And then their coverage will be better and then it'll be worse. Uh, their pass rush will show up, you know, a little bit. I mean, overall, it hasn't been there, but it'll show up one week and better. So it is a little bit of a whack-a-mole. Um, but I, I guess the floor is so low here. You know what I mean? That um, um, that nothing's really been good enough to carry them. Look at the uh, the one big play they gave up in the second half was uh, was it sixty eight yard run, and they had two guys there in a position to to make the play. You had Kendall Brooks coming off the edge, he couldn't get there, and then when uh, I can't remember the name of their running back, uh, Middleton. Yeah, yeah. When he 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 gets around the corner, and then you know mirror speed didn't take the right angle on it, and so you know Mel was talking about that on Monday, saying like that's. That should be a TFL pretty much any day of the week, even with the way they're lining up uh, at the most a, a three-yard gain. So, I don't know, just <laughs> it's all over I the place. mean, when that's happening repeatedly, then it's it's on personnel, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see sometimes. You got to make really tackles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need profile fo- football focus to tell me that, you know, when you're watching the tape and guys are, like, just leaving their feet, like, flailing at guys in the open field, like, what happened to breaking down and making a tackle? What happened to taking the angle and making a tackle? Like, I don't, that could, we say it's personnel that could reflect on coaching too, you know, cause those are fundamentals and they're not doing it a lot of times. So I don't know, Uh pretty bad game. I think if you want to look at another positive, I mean, in positives, this is basically what Michigan state fans are going to have to look for the rest of the year is just sort of development from young guys, you know, guys that are going to give you sort of hope going into next year and guys who are going to be, you know, part of the future when Mel hopefully gets this cooking. I think one of those guys is Jaden Mangum. He's getting play uh, at safety as a true freshman. That's very rare, but, Obviously, Xavier Henderson being out, Darius Snow, Jacob Slade, they were missing a bunch of guys up front uh, this week. Injuries Trowski, have played Bogle. a factor. <laughs> yeah, injuries have played a factor in this. I, I think we can at least give them that. But, you know, Jade Mangum, what do we got here? Uh, six tackles. So, 
you know, uh, he's getting his feet wet as a true freshman, and I see him doing some good things out there. Yeah, we talked to him on uh, Tuesday. Kyle wrote about him. Um, he was impressive. He was pretty engaging, you know, <laughs> uh, wearing a smile. He gave good answers. So uh, seems like a smart young kid. And um, I don't know, Kyle, you want to break down what you uh, heard from him? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it's different because you, I mean, we all obviously focus on, you know, the, the team as a whole and a lot of its key players, you know, Peyton Thorne is obviously upset, but um, he was, I mean, he, listen, I mean, he, he wasn't jovial. I mean, he's not going to be there um, um, talking about how great he is um, when the team's not performing well, but I mean, there, there are guys, young guys who are getting out there and getting a chance um, and learning and feel like they're improving. I guess was kind of my takeaway from talking to Jaden Mangum um, and, and that um, there are little kind of pockets of that sort of thing in this overall sinking ship that, um, that we're watching going on right now. So, you know, we see a guy like Jaden Mangum come out, obviously just, he was extremely excited to be able to get the opportunity to be to play. He wants to get better. He wants to work. Um, and yeah, seems like a great kid. Um, you know, he talked a lot about Xavier Henderson, you know, he made the trip um, and how he was kind of coaching him up the whole time, which I think is kind of a, a cool, unique thing. Um, and, and, you know, does th- th- that work? I mean, you move Chester or not Chester Kimbrough, you move Angelo Gross to nickel and kind of put him in there. I mean, the, the coaches are trying things and, and Jaden Mangum is one of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it was a little bit of a breath. I mean, I can see why they brought him out. It's a little bit of a breath of fresh air, uh, probably not gonna make a whole lot of fans feel better, but, um, Jaden Mangum feels good about where he is. The fan base just needs to look at things how they are at this point. I mean, if you're sitting here hoping for this season to turn into what we expected, that's just not going to happen. You know, you got to keep a level head here. Um, you know, I was talking to some fans from other teams this year. They're like, what the heck's going on with Michigan State? Why are things falling apart? And I think last year kind of warped people's expectations. You know, they were so far ahead of schedule at 11 and 2. You know, they won a lot of close games. And now people are just thinking, oh, Mel Tucker, especially nationally, people who aren't like us who pay attention to the program every day. You know, they're expecting Michigan State to, like, take this step. And the reality is, is this is year three. The first year was the middle of the pandemic. Um, you know, Mel, the recruiting classes, like last year's class was good. This year's 23 looks pretty good. They're off to a good start in 24. You know, the Ohio State game last year is when Mel Tucker talked about needing a talent upgrade. And I still think that's the case, you know. What was it like? I mean, we've talked about the guys who transferred out of the program and how like five of them have ended up at power five programs. I mean, they do still need a talent influx. And I think we're kind of seeing, you know, when you go out and try and fill these holes because the younger guys aren't quite ready, it's not always going to work in the transfer portal. So I don't think people need to pump the brakes a little bit on like, you know, everything's over. Mel sucks. This guy's falling. Like this is still a process and we're really still in the, in the early stages of it. Some people have pointed out, I've actually seen this multiple places, that year three, you think about a new coaching staff, year three is when your predecessor's last recruiting class are juniors and supposed to be the core of your team. So that can be, for a lot of staffs, that can be one of the toughest years because you're kind of, that's when the cupboard was emptiest. Like you're relying on the guys that, you know, were probably, I don't know the rankings, Matt, you'd know them better than I would, but probably one of the core recruiting classes that they had. And those are the guys you're relying on. Plus a lot of them transferred, as you said, a lot of them are out. So uh, yeah, when I think about this more, I completely agree that I think last year was just an outlier year. 
Um, you know, you get the home run transfer. I think they had some, I don't want to call it luck because there were players making plays, but when you win that many close games, I mean, you're not going to do that consistently. So, uh, yeah. There was also some good holdovers from the D'Antonio era that made some, made impacts. Hayward, Beasley, you know, guys like that. Mm -hmm. So I I think you're, I I agree. Like, like this shouldn't be the judgment on the Mel talk. I, I think they should be better than what they are. I'm not totally letting Mel off the hook. They shouldn't be this bad but I don't think you could judge him and his whole program based on what they look like right now. Yeah. You just, you need, you need time. You know, we'll see what this looks like in a couple of years when he's got, you know, more of his own guys and he's had a chance to, to develop through recruiting, which they're going to need to do. You don't, you don't go into the portal every year and pull a Kenneth Walker out. They'll probably never be able to do that again. I mean, <laughs> not happen ever for any, but you know, you know, I mean, you see a high profile guy, you know, you get a starting quarterback, you know, that, that changes programs with the coach, something like that. But, you know, Walker was not, <laughs> he was productive, but he was not one of those guys when he committed to Michigan State, everybody's like, oh my God, look at the, look at this. You know, it's, oh, okay, this guy looks okay. I mean, it's just, you, you need to, you need to develop players and, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to do that. Kenneth Walker most recently seen uh, contributing to the scorching of the Detroit Lions defense. Uh, I think uh, some of our guys talked to him down there. Actually, if you guys are interested, check out our Lions page. But let's move on to this weekend. It's 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 the giant, man. It's it's Ohio State. It's coming into Spartan Stadium. Uh, Ohio State has been pretty much, you know, beating down pretty much everyone. Most recently, Rutgers. Um, you know, they're, they're loaded with five-star talent per usual. CJ Stroud is probably the Heisman front runner. The spread on this last we saw was what, 27, 26 and a half, which would make it the largest home underdog for Michigan state in its history. That's right, Kyle. You looked that up, right? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, betting lines don't go back to, you know, the, the, the six, I mean, I, I think they only go back to late eighties, early nineties, but, um, yeah, since at least 1991 is the farthest back that I can find. Um, so been a while. <laughs> And, you know, it's Ohio State, you know, crazy. I mean, they've obviously ran the series as well. They've won uh, 35 wins to Michigan State's 15. They're riding a six-game win streak. Uh, Michigan State hasn't beaten Ohio State since the crazy uh, windmill game with Connor Cook, who was out in uh, in 15. That was wild. Although I will say uh, they did play them pretty well during that 16 season when they were big underdogs. And that was the three and nine year. I think they only lost by one. In that game, which was kind of an example. Yeah, didn't, of how... they, didn't they go for too late and not make uh-huh. it? Wasn't that, that? Yeah. Yeah. Because the season was over at that point. D'Antonio was just like, let's just go for it. What's the point of playing? And if you go to overtime with these guys, we're probably not winning. Right. So, if, if you're the underdog, um, always, always go for too late. But, anyway. but you have that game. You have the 15 game when they didn't have Connor Cook. You have the 1998 game, uh, which I believe, <laughs> according to that same source, was the only spread that was bigger than this one, right? <laughs> like, I, I think that, that was, that was plus 28, I believe. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Michigan state went down there and won that game. So, you know, the Spartans have pulled off crazy upsets in the past against Ohio state. I'm not sure this is the year for it, considering Michigan state's biggest weakness. The past defense is Ohio state's strength with CJ Stroud and this army of five star wide receivers. But Matt, if an upset was going to happen or if the game was going to stay close, what's the blueprint for Michigan State? <laughs> he's trying not to say something really snarky right now. Um, yeah, yeah. The look on his face right now. He's like, did you really just ask me that question? <laughs> I, I think I made this comparison the other day. Um, you ever, for you Simpsons fans out there, remember the uh, Homer at the Bat episode where Mr. Burns recruits all the uh, – <laughs> 
the big time uh, baseball players for his uh, softball team and you know, for random reasons, all but I think Daryl Strawberry is the only one who showed up because the rest of them, you know, for various reasons, weren't able to be there. I don't know. That came to mind. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't see it. There's nothing unless they, it becomes a punting competition. I mean, I there's just nothing you've seen that makes you think that this is a game that's going to be close. I just. I, I, I does the secondary all of a sudden turn into the no fly zone of you know what for no that's that's not happening you know it, Stroud is the best look, we saw what happened last year and Mel was admitted look when we played a team that had a good quarterback and good receivers that was not a good matchup for us that is the same thing that's going on this year and now they are facing the best quarterback they'll have seen this season maybe the best in the country and the best group of wide receivers they'll have seen this season, you know, and even if, even if uh, Smith and Jigba doesn't play, does it even, you know, I don't know how, does that even make a difference? You know, I mean, I just, no. I, I can't see it. I thought last year going in there, they had no, almost no chance of stopping Stroud in the passing game, but I thought they'd be able to score and, you know, maybe you could do something there. Maybe if you force some turnover something, well, I mean, couldn't score either. So I just, I mean, you list off the, you know, some of those games that Michigan State's been able to to play the uh, the David role. Um, and we've seen, you know, I mean, Mel's got his team up to play. You know, nobody gave them a chance in hell of winning at Michigan in 2020 coming off that opener against Rutgers. Now, granted, that ended up being a good Michigan team, but, you know, the, the, the Northwestern game, that was a Northwestern team that went on to win the West Division. Uh, you know, that was a, that was a good team and Michigan State beat them. So Melvin get his guys up to play. I just, I, I just don't see it. There's just too big of a, of a talent gap, and you know, strength versus weakness is just um, glaring. Yeah, I mean, the big difference between that ninety ninety eight team and you know the two thousand fifteen team or even the sixteen team for Ohio State, they have the had great players. They always have great players, but Ohio State's recruiting talent in the skill positions has gone to another level under Ryan Day. They are raking in five stars routinely at receiver at running back. I mean, you mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba is questionable. So is Travion Henderson, the running back five-star all world guy. Both are questionable. If you look at the receiver, Emeka Ibuka, number one receiver in his class, Julian Fleming, number one receiver in his class, Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, he's Marvin Harrison's kid. Like, like <laughs> Mayan Williams ran for five touchdowns against Rutgers last week. I mean, they could be without arguably their two best offensive players, not named CJ Stroud. And it might not matter because they're plugging in talent. Like the talent in general in college football seems to be folding much more. It's getting funneled into three or four programs. And I think that's one of them. I think it's a major issue for college football. That's a whole other conversation because you basically got Bama, Georgia, Ohio State and basically everyone else. And I don't think that's great for the sport. But for some reason, the talent is is conglomerating at more schools than it was in the past. And Ohio state's one of those schools that is feasting on these guys. And it's just an issue. I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, the gap is huge in talent, especially under a regime under Mel Tucker, that's still trying to accrue talent. It is getting better, but it's, they're still nowhere near Ohio state. Here's my blueprint, Matt. We order up some, uh, an October snowstorm, a little sideways hail. We get some rains going sideways. No, for real. The, I think the only way they have a chance is if they Ohio state, you know, has some unexpected turnovers, maybe gives Michigan State a short field and they can punch it in there. 
Maybe Ohio, Michigan State can get some pressure on C.J. Stroud. If they don't get any pressure on C.J. Stroud, this game is over before it starts because the secondary is not going to be able to cover. Um, I mean, and Michigan State obviously has to play basically a perfect game. They can't turn the ball over. Turnovers were an issue. They weren't last week, but Peyton Thorne has been a walking turnover this year. If he turns it over once, this game's over uh, because the Spartans really have to play a perfect game, but they're going to need like every break to go their way to even stay in this thing. Yeah, you got to do something. I mean, you got to win the coin toss. Special teams touchdown. Yeah, win the coin toss, go down there and score, and then they straddle through as a pick six, and next thing you know, it's 14. You know, there has to be just some something like that, to, and all of a sudden, hey, look, we believe in we can do this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, give some sort of give them some sort of confidence because I just, you know, it if just they do that, like... then the crowd, the crowd, you know, because it is at home, that helps obviously. I'll do it. I, I do think there will be plenty of Buckeyes there, but you know, the crowd can be an asset if Michigan State can stay in this game early. You know, if if, if something good happens early, then all of a sudden the crowd starts to leave. It takes into the second quarter. It's still a game. Gets past halftime. It's still a game. You know, then people start to believe in crazy things have happened in college football. We've seen it, but I don't know, man, with the mismatches, it just seems really unlikely, but that is the blueprint. I think, you know, get it. You can't have a slow start. You can't turn the ball over. You need something good to happen early. I, I will point out that CJ Stroud has thrown two interceptions all year and Michigan state's defense has zero interceptions all year. So I'm not, I'm not a mathematician, Thanks, but um, <laughs> lo- I'm safe to say low probability of uh, that one. They do, do, they do a to, good job of getting the ball out. So they, they can't pick anything off, but they do. A, uh, they get to the, they, they force fumbles where they tied for yes. first still in the country. Right. Whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I just remember we sat here last year trying to like make this case that they were going to. And like the thing that was obviously sitting in front of our face the whole time, which is that Ohio state is unbelievable passing the ball. Michigan state can't, can't stop the pass was the only thing that mattered in that game. And, and it's even year, worse this year. And a year later, nothing's <laughs> changed and it's gotten worse. So um, I, I mean, I, I mean, we got to talk about it, you know, there, there's more, you know, um, and bigger upsets have happened, but I just, I can't look past that huge glaring thing staring in front of my face. Maybe has Mel wait, referenced wait. those upsets at all, Matt? Uh no. You, you mean the ones in program history? Just that, yeah. Maybe has he? Maybe internally, maybe. No, said, because oh, he's look, what this a, has happened. Yeah, maybe internally he would. You know that wouldn't surprise me at all. You know you gotta you gotta do something. You know if you're if you're when you get asked how the hell you're gonna even win this game and you start saying well you gotta believe you know Mel's a you know motivational guy obviously as I think coach would be you know he's. If he's going to go up there, if he's going to put stuff on the screen and show stuff on Twitter where people are talking shit about the team, <laughs> he's going to do the opposite too. You know, he's going to do something that, you know, hey, look, this can happen. So, but, you know, as far as what he's going to tell us, um, you know, he's not, he's going to be you like, play you know, complimentary football, man. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, that's in the past. That doesn't have anything to do with this. You know, this is a different team, yada, yada. So, um, yeah. Um, let's see what was us. Oh, how many what percentage of Ohio State fans do you think is gonna be in there? I don't know. Um there, there will be more Ohio State fans in East Lansing this weekend, probably, than there were Maryland fans at Maryland last week. How about that? <laughs> I was, uh, there was a like thirty percent. There was but a col- that's the number I was gonna say too. There was a certain columnist yeah. I was sitting next to in the press box who upon seeing how poor the crowd was at Maryland predicted uh they would lose the game because of that. And Michigan State would win. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. Nationally, people still give Ohio, uh, Michigan State credit. 
Like they do. And maybe that's because of last year. Maybe that's because of, you know, they've had good seasons in recent memory, but it's like, you know, they, they dropped out of the rankings quickly and people are definitely piling on Mel Tucker and his contract and stuff. But when it comes down to looking at the games, like networks and whoever are still like, Oh, Michigan state, you know, that's a decent team. They might be able to give them a run for their money. And it's like, like ESPN has Herb street and Fowler calling this game. Yeah. I was you know? surprised by that. I'm like, well, what is that? Like, what do they think this is going to be close? Like that shocked me. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I just not expect that to be the broadcast. Team. It's, it's because Fox makes big noon Sunday, the Michigan game every single week now for some reason. <laughs> I know Michigan, Indiana. That is not Fox. You know, yeah. come on, TCU, Kansas. How is that not big noon Saturday? You yeah, got undefeated teams out here, man. Let's go. But yeah, I was surprised by that. I'm just saying like, they still hike this, like it's going to be a game. And I don't know. I'm going because, you know, I know a lot of people who are selling tickets. I'm still going to go, you know, because, yeah, I felt dirty selling my tickets. I'm not going to let some Buckeye buy my tickets. But the way I'm looking at it is like I'm going in with zero expectations, you know, just trying to hang out, tailgate, spend some time with my dad, go enjoy a fall Saturday. And whatever happens in the game happens. You know, I, I'm, this is a coping mechanism. I'm well aware. But it's like, you know, if you don't have expectations, you can't be hurt. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Forgot Anything else on this? Oh, I, you know, I think it's worth mentioning. We talked to Jaden Reed on Tuesday. So first time since he's been injured, he confirmed what was pretty obvious. It was a cut to his back suffered when he got pushed into that bench on the sideline. Um, so it was pretty deep. He had stitches, couldn't even like shower normally. Uh, was hoping to play at, at Washington, just wasn't able to go. He thinks he's okay now. Thinks he's still moving around um, pretty well. Um, and... There are there's padding on the benches at Spartan Stadium now, which is I could I could, I'll, I'll give myself he, he, a pad. Yeah, he, he, I'll, I'll attest to that. Matt correctly predicted that. Was I, as soon as you saw it, it's like you know when Mel when Mel's like told like what happened like what? Wait, so my top playmaker is unavailable because he hit his back on a bench on the okay. Can we get somebody out there and the equipment staff to put some stuff on the end? So the Minnesota game. Uh, I was looking at it from the press box with the binoculars and I was 95% sure that there was padding on him. There was, they had some they had weird clipboard set up that made it a little difficult, but um, I can confirm that is indeed the case. So freak thing. Yeah. So you're giving yourself a pad on the back. Mm, there you go. Now? Yeah. <laughs> Grown. Uh, anyways, Michigan state, Ohio state, four o'clock kick from Spartan stadium. I believe it's on ABC. If you're watching from home, Hey, you get to hear Herbie and uh, Fowler call state game. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it's going to be a tough one for Michigan state, but you know, maybe they get a couple bounces go their way and at least make it a ball game for the people who are going to be there in attendance. And if they do play Ohio state close, I think that would do a lot to sort of at least repair a little bit of what, you know, the coaching staff and the players have been under fire this year. You know, I know we're not into moral victories, but if you play Ohio state close this year, I think that would be a, a notch in the belt for Michigan State. The, the um, only hope I'll say is that a, a Notre Dame team has turned out to be not that great. Put him pretty close at the shoe. It's probably yeah, that's yeah. that is true. They're not as bad as that Michigan State, but they're not. They're not like past Notre Dame teams. But anyway, that's true. They're unranked. So yeah. I mean, yeah, they lost to Marshall for crying out loud. And Marshall went and lost the next week. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah anyway, they only beat Arkansas State by. 33 so <laughs> well and they have given up some points actually the defense though like toledo got 21 on them i know some of these are in garbage time but yeah. you know they have i think the only way michigan state hangs in this outside of that crazy stuff we talked about is to score some points so you know we'll see that obviously we thought that last year and it didn't happen but 
that's the Ohio State Michigan State game. Uh, you know, uh, uphill battle for Michigan State, but we'll see how it goes. Did want to touch briefly on some basketball news we got right before the podcast. The media, hey, that's us, uh, picked uh, Malik Hall as a preseason All Big Ten guy. I was a little bit surprised. I mean, we've seen the big blow up performances from Malik Hall. Um, I don't know if he's who I would have voted for, but uh, Kyle, tell me why I'm wrong. Why did you? Why did you vote for Malik Hall? Uh, yes, I was one of the select media panel, um, very select. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not an obvious guy, you know, you know, it's not like voting Cassius Winston or Denzel Valentine in the last couple of years. But um, I, th- to me, when when Malik Hall has been at his best, he's better than anybody else. Um, and I get he hasn't been consistent, but um, you, you give me one pick with a guy, I'm going to take a veteran who has the highest ceiling. So mm-hmm. convince me otherwise. No, I think it's fine. I mean, we've seen the blow-up performances, you know, right. the last year, even 24 against uh, Loyola yeah, out there in uh, in the Bahamas. You know, he had, I mean, he did have the back-to-back games with 15 and 16 against Michigan and Maryland. I remember us talking about that, like, oh, Malik Hall has arrived. Here we go. Mm-hmm. This is the guy. And then he proceeds to have like 3-0, 3-2. But he had 17 against Iowa, 17 against Maryland. But then once you got into March Madness, Eight points against Maryland, two against Wisconsin, nine against Purdue, two against Davidson, zero against Duke. You know that, and he's an upperclassman where that's supposed to be his time where to shine. And yeah, it's all been about consistency with Malik Hall. We've seen the performances, we've seen him have the ability to be an all ten, all Big Ten caliber player. Uh, yeah, just has to be more consistent. I saw he tweeted out and said he's got something to prove this year. I believe it. I think there's a lot of guys on this team that have a lot to prove, and that's why you could have gone a lot of different ways uh, with this, but. Clearly other media other than just you agreed on that, right, Kyle? It wasn't just you uh, making this poll. And, and it's not, I mean, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Malik Hall has to prove, but like there wasn't anybody else on the roster, you know, I liked more. Um, Hogarth's you know, the only one I would say. Yeah, I mean, but he's just too unproven for me. Like, like a like good NCAA tournament, like his trajectory, um, a little too unproven for me right now. So. Yeah, and he can't shoot yet, at least from what we've seen. Uh, rumors that he has improved his shot, but uh, until we see that, I don't know if you can be an all big 10 player uh, with no jumper. So <laughs> uh, we're going to need to see that. That's the step for AJ Hogarth. Cause they think he has everything else, the strength, the intangibles, passing and they ability. Don't, I'm not sure they need it that much. I mean, it'd be, it'd be good if they have it, but like they, they're going to have a fair amount of shooting on the floor. I think it's going to be better than most years, you know, um, Jade Nakins, uh, Tyson Walker. I think Pierre books is going to be a decent shooter and, and you're going to have Joey. better stuff on the front court. Cause Joey Howard is going to be out there stretching the floor. Um, I think they're going to let Jackson Kohler uh, shoot. Uh, which is rare for a freshman big man, but I think they're confident enough. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny you watch practice and it's like um, they'll basically let guys shoot from what they feel like their range is when they're doing like big man shooting drills. Um, so let's just say there's a fair amount of distance between where Monty shoots from and where Jackson Kohler shoots from. But um, <laughs> they're, they're, I think they're going to let Jackson Kohler let it fly. So yeah, it'll be, um, you still want your point guard to be able to shoot, but I don't think it's, uh, I think they got enough other guys that it, it, it shouldn't be a huge issue. But you, you also I'm, left I... out the biggest news with Michigan State basketball this week. Is that you midnight madness? No, no, it's that they're going to play zone this year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, that that's just like yeah, take a drink, you know, do whatever, mark it off the calendar, <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Um, you know, that's that's the Tom is uh, he's definitely leaning into that bit at this point. He like, is leaning into. Hey, maybe it. they he, will he, though with the size. Pretending like it's a long, like it's this is all a long game, <clears throat> you know, and um, so so the my scenario is national title game, 
uh, 30 seconds left. Um, Final play. game. Other team has the ball. They break out the zone. The other team just falls over in disbelief. And Steven Izzo goes and dunks for the game-winning basket. National <laughs> title. Tom Izzo retires right afterwards. That's – mark it down. That's what's going to happen. Um, oh, the one more thing on Hogard. I guess I'm just looking at, like, him – uh, like Travis Walton, right. Had no shot for the first two years of his career. And then all of a sudden he knocked down that mid range jumper, just like every single time. If Hogard could do that, I think he becomes really deadly, uh, with his driving ability. So, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to track. There's a lot of guys on this team that could take a step and there's a lot of guys that could fall in their face, but, uh, we'll have yeah, more they, time. They, to they, like, they like Aikens the most. I think he's the guy I've kind of got at the top of my <clears> list <throat> as far as that goes. And we, we you know, we got to be healthy about hoops, but yeah, yeah I mean, he'll, He'll get over the foot thing, um, but by by my mid January, I think they feel like he can be um, he can be a dude. Cool, and we'll get into basketball more in a couple months. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of MLF Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, hope everyone enjoyed listening to the show. Um, if you could please like, rate, and review the show, it'd be appreciated. Our work again, mlive.com/spartans. Lots of preview uh, for the Ohio State game stuff up there, and of course, we'll have plenty of post game coverage as well. Um, so again. Appreciate everyone for listening and for Kyle Austin, Matt Wenzel. I'm Brandon Champion. We'll talk to you next time. And go green.